I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I've got a title on the board. We are predestined. Let me erase this other. We are predestined to to the likeness of Jesus. The Bible says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed. Predestination is about to be conformed. That's a process in our lives. To be conformed to the image. This word to be conformed, sumorphos, S-U-M, M-O-R-P-H-O-S. To be conformed to the image, icon. Icon, it means likeness. It's our word, I-C-O-N. I-C-O-N. So we're predestined to be conformed to Christ's likeness. If all you do is quote the first part of that verse in Romans eight twenty nine, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, you've ended the sentence with a verb that shows action. To be conformed is one word in the Greek. It is an infinitive. An infinitive is where there is an action taken upon a subject. It's the condition of the subject after the action. So being an infinitive, it is a verbal noun. Verbal noun. And being a noun, it receives the action of the verb predestinate. Predestinate. Predestinate is the word pro-horizo. Pro means before. It's our prefix pre. Horizo, there's a little diacritical mark there. That's a breathing sound. Horizo, it's like ha. It's, uh, it's, there's no H's in the Greek, but there's a diacritical mark. Whenever you find that, that has an H sound. Horizo is our word horizon. It means to predetermine for the light. And Jesus said he is the light of the world. That's Jesus. So God has predetermined Jesus for our lives that we would have the likeness of Christ. The icon. That's what predestination is about. You you can't say what people think predestination is about. They think that when we say, I believe in predestination, that God, before the world began, that God picked out a people that would be in heaven no matter what they did. That's not the likeness of Christ. I keep saying there's two men in us. There's the outer man. And the inner man. Paul says this in Romans 7. The outer man serves the flesh. That has to be a believer because Paul said the inner man serves the law of God. That means a person that has the inner man has been born again. 
by and the inner man. And Paul said, I'm always wrestling with this outer man which serves the flesh. So you live in a fleshly body and you're always wrestling with sin that you're not supposed to be doing. These two men are expressed in 1 John 1 and 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We're deceived. If we, that's the believers. Then he said again, whosoever is born of God, the inner man cannot sin because the seed of God remains in him and the inner man cannot sin. So when you read Romans 7, you need to also read Colossians, the third chapter. Paul's talking about putting on the inner man and boy, it is a long process. And then he talks about the same thing in Ephesians 4 and also in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. He talks about the inner man. And talking about getting rid of this outer man, which is a lifetime experience. And at 81 years old, I can tell you, you can't get rid of your sin all of a sudden one day when you supposedly accept Christ and come into the kingdom. It's not going to happen. Now, let me read the rest of that title. Predestined to a Christ-likeness, Jesus became obedient in Philippians, the third chapter, became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Now we have a daily cross, and when God causes us to be obedient to the death of the daily cross, And the Bible says we have a daily cross that we have to obey. Well, Christ became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Take, deny, take, and follow. These are imperative commands. An imperative command is a commandment from God. Anyone who follows me, you have to deny, up or nail my, completely contradict self. A-R-N-E-O-M-A-I. Up or nail my, take is the word A-I-R-O, an arrow is means to lift into the air. We probably get our word A-R-R-O-W from that. Lift into air and then follow Akulatheo A-K-O-U-L-A-T-H-E-O means to be in the same way with there's two ways a narrow way and a broad way and only few will go into the narrow way and many will enter into the broad way now you have to take your cross and when you do that you're dying daily and the word resurrection and when this happens 
When you're dying to self, death to self, this comes about, this comes about when you give up the flesh. God has to put you through a lot of fire and trials while you're fighting for this outer man year after year after year and you're fighting for to preserve him so he will uh, have his way and have his desires of the flesh because he's covetous and God has to deal with his family over years to get rid of that covetousness which is idolatry and the idol he worships is that outer man or his own flesh I want that car, I want that girl, I want this, I want that is that person sleeping back there? Mike, wake him up. Whoever it is, if you come in, you got to come in and listen, but not go to sleep. All right. So we're talking about this outer man and the inner man. And what do you have to do in order to rest? To rest. And that is the spiritual Sabbath. So when you believe God, you're taking your cross and dying daily, and you're taking on the likeness of Christ. And when you find the word resurrection in the Bible, in the New Testament, Oh, yes, U-R-R-E-C-T-I-O-N. Resurrection. That is the word anastasis. Anastasis means to come to life after dying. But the word anastasis, every time you find it in the New Testament, except for two times, every time you find it, time and time and time again, it is anastasis, feminine gender. That cannot possibly be talking about the resurrection of Christ. That's the resurrection of the believer when they've taken their cross and they begin to die daily and it begins to kill off this outer man a little bit at a time over 30, 40 years, over however long it takes, you go through all these trials that God puts you through and it's God that does this. He scourges you so that outer man will give up self. And we have a tendency, you have a tendency, I have a tendency to blame everybody else. And it is evil men that comes along with God uses evil men as his sword to bring fire and trials to our lives. That's why David said, Deliver me from the wicked which is thy sword and thy hand. God cuts us down in order to get rid of this outer man. It might take 30, 40 years as a believer before you begin to say I have got to learn to behave myself and stop this rebellion against God this 
rebellious sin. Boy, I've had to do that. If I had to do that, you have to do that too. I've had to fight Jim Brown. My biggest enemy has been me. Overcoming my desire to fulfill my flesh. That's everybody's problem. Everybody. How do you know that, Jim? How do you know I have that problem? Well, Paul said in the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to all men. If it's common to all men, all I have to do is admit what's in my heart, and I know what's in yours. And I have admitted that. And I've done some terrible things. Nobody here has done any worse than I've done. I used to be a pop singer singing over 300 nightclubs across America. I know what's in nightclubs. Don't tell me, well, I go to the club to hear this group. You know what's in nightclubs? I'll tell you what's there. Sin. Period. That's it. Nothing else but that. Now, I'm talking about resurrecting in Christ when we the more we die how often are we to die Paul said I die daily do you all of a sudden start doing that no you don't just do that one day you you get conviction and you sin and you sin, and God cuts into your heart. You go, i got to stop that. But you go back to it, and you sin some more, and you sin some more, and you sin some more. And then God starts sending one fire after another and start burning out these sins in you. That's your faith increasing. Lord, increase our faith. And the Bible says in Second Peter 1 and 5, besides all this, give all diligence, add to your faith. And when you add to your faith seven things, that takes years to do that. And as you add to your faith, you come to a place and say, I've got to give up myself. And you end up an old man like me, and you don't have the sin that you used to have in your life. I look back at my sin in the music business, and I'm so ashamed that I did, and I was the places I was. I look back at real estate, and I'm so ashamed of desiring to get rich and be rich. I'm ashamed of that. If you're not ashamed of your sin, you're not repentant. That's what <coughs> Jeremiah 31, 18, and 19 says. You have to be ashamed. Now, if you're dying daily, you're resurrecting daily in Christ. Let me give you those other two words that are resurrection. Look over here in in uh, in Matthew twenty seven fifty three, Matthew twenty seven, and this will give you what the only other word that's completely different than the word anastasis. Anastasis. Any time you find the word resurrection in the New Testament, it's a reference to other than this one verse. It's a reference to feminine gender, anastasis, the resurrection of the saints daily. This is the word in Matthew 24. Matthew 20, excuse me, Matthew 27 and 53. 27, 53, Jesus has been crucified. 
He's resurrecting from the dead, 27 and 53. Hold on here. I'll get it in a minute. 27, 53. Well, let me read 51 down through 53. And behold, the veil of the temple was writ in twain. That's the veil of the temple that the priest would go into on the Day of Atonement. The reason it was ripped in two, the high priest now is going to be Jesus, a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. From top to bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, actually rose from the dead that day. I can't explain that. And came out of the graves after his resurrection after Jesus in Gero E-G-G-E-R-O or E-G-G-E-R-S-I-S this means Jesus' resurrection this is the only time the resurrection is referring is referring to Jesus' resurrection this means a resurgence after dying this is Jesus' resurrection. Let me show you, though, in Philippians, in Philippians, the second chapter, uh, excuse me, Philippians, the third chapter, Paul says, in verse, in verse 9, 3 and 9, and he found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him. Paul is saying, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. That word resurrection there is not the word in Gero. Every time you find the word resurrection, other than that verse in Matthew 27. How do you know that? It's not a miracle when these guys say, well, this is mentioned so many times in the Bible. That's not some miraculous. They didn't count it all. Believe me. You can look up in the Strong's Concordance. You can look up a word. You can go to a... This is called a word study concordance. You can look that word up in here, and it'll tell you every time that word is mentioned down the line, it'll give you the number and how many times the number beside it. So we know that the word anastasis, and if you go into a lexicon, and look up the word anastasis, it'll tell you it's feminine gender. It can't be the resurrection of Jesus. He was not a female. Anytime the Bible speaks of Jesus raising from the dead, it used this word in Gero. So the word resurrection always applies under this one time. I don't know why the translators translated resurrection because they I, I don't really respect the translators so he says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection it doesn't say his resurrection it says 
case. Here's what it says. And the dunamis. I've noticed something. There's two words for power in the Bible. Power. Power, you have the word exousia, E-X-O-U-S-I-A. And you have the word dunamis. And dunamis, we get our word dynamite from that. And it means an explosion. Whenever exousia is used, it comes from the word E-X-E-S-T-I. And that means existence. That has to do with God dealing, God the Father dealing with somebody. The Father. And we get the word E-I-N-A-I from the word existi. And that means to cause or to be, actually. It means to be. To be or exist. Dunamis, the Bible says, Paul said, I'm this is the word power, both these words, all these words that come from this. Dunamis is the word that Paul used over there in Romans the first chapter when he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. So the gospel is the power. Wherever you find the gospel. Well, the Bible says the gospel, the gospel in 1 Corinthians 1, 1, and verses uh, 1 through 4, the gospel is that Christ was crucified and the gospel is the crucifixion of Christ. It's the resurrection from the dead. It's Christ's resurrection, or Christ being raised. It says raised. So that's the gospel. And then when these men came to Jesus in Mark, the ninth chapter, and says, a man over here preaching, and we think that Uh, he should be stopped. And Jesus said, no man can do these miracles. Let me go over there and look at that. Let's go over there and look at that. No man can mark, mark, nine, mark nine, And verse 36, And Jesus took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, Whosoever shall receive one such children in my name receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. And John answered him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name. Now notice what Jesus calls Casting out devils. Notice what he calls it. Now we know what cast out devils is because we've studied it here. 
It's God writing upon fleshy tables of the heart. If I with the finger of God cast out devils, he says in Luke 11. What does he do with his finger? He writes upon fleshy tables of our heart. He wrote on tables of stone in the Old Testament. But if I with the finger of God cast out daemonion, that's our word demon. Daemonion comes from dio, meaning to distribute fortunes. Well, notice something. Notice this. Notice that demon has to do with this outer man to distribute the fortunes of everything he wants in his flesh. So that would be casting out devils. And only Jesus can cast out devils because to be possessed with devils, D-A-M-O-N-I-Z-O-M-A-I, that's the word possessed with devils. And that would equate with this man, this outer man over here, because it means to be insane. Insane means to not think rational. So he said, now notice what Jesus called casting out devils. Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us. And we forbade him because he followed not us. And Jesus said, forbid him not, for there is no man which can do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. That word miracle is not one of the common words miracle. That word miracle is the word dunamis. And that's the gospel. The gospel has, boy, it takes a lot to define it. John came preaching the baptism of repentance as it was written in the book of Isaiah. And the baptism of repentance was called, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. John came, this is what John came preaching. Prepare way, and way is the word hodos. And there's two ways, a narrow hodos and a broad hodos, a broad way. And narrow and thalibo is the word thalibo, T-H-L-I-B-O. And the word tribulation have basically the same meaning. Tribulation is just the noun form of the word narrow. And you may say narrow looks like a noun. Well, it's not. Tribulation. And tribulation is the word thalipsis. So, so the narrow way is the gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. Mark 1 one through three, uh, that John came preaching the, the beginning of the gospel is prepare you the way, and the baptism of repentance is prepare you the way. But that's talking about a blood baptism. That's death to self, and that's what we're talking about here. That's a daily cross. A blood baptism was death. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's a daily cross. Death to self is resurrection to new life. And what that does for us, 
when you're frustrated over life and you can't hardly stand it because you can't have what you want, that's that outer man fighting you. I'm at a place in life at 81 years old. I don't care what happens. I say it's all the will of God. I have a nice house that's paid for. I don't really care much about it. I've got cars that are paid for. don't care much about them. I've, I don't have long to live. And people want to say, oh, you, you may live to be 110 years old. Who wants to live to be 110? Are you out of your mind? I won't be able to walk in another 10 years. I'm 81 now. You think I could walk around like this when I'm 91? Well, you, you'll live a long time. Don't tell me that. I don't even care about living a long time. I really want to go be with Jesus. Don't you? Good grief. Now, I understand when you're young, you're not anxious to get out of this flesh. When you get old and wore out, you don't care about it anymore. So whenever you start dying to the flesh, resurrecting daily, you don't do that all of a sudden. It just doesn't happen all of a sudden. God's got to get rid of all that outer man. You say, Jim... What if you die before all that outer man is gone? Let's say you're 40 years old and you die in a car wreck. Well, the inner man is still saved. The outer man's body is going to rot in the ground and it's not going to matter because you're going to be with the Lord. Just because you didn't have time to add all of the things to your faith, as the Bible speaks of knowledge, temperance. Temperance means inner strength. That don't happen until you get older. Knowledge takes, I've been studying the Bible for 64 years and people are always writing to me and correcting me and they don't know nothing. One guy saw one, one DVD and he thought that's everything I knew about it. It's not. Something else. Let me show you one other verse here. In Romans 6 and 5. Romans 6. There's so much to this. Romans 6 and 5. It's too bad that these translators didn't translate these things wrong, right, but they couldn't translate them right. They didn't know how to do it because you can't put... Well, let me read this first. Tell you why you can't translate it correctly. Romans 6, for the same reason you can't couldn't translate... Romans ten, uh, Romans four, three and ten, that I may know him, and the power of the resurrection of Paul is saying I want to know the power of the feminine resurrection of Christ in me daily. Resurrection anastasis with the believer means to come to life after dying. How does that come about? When you go out and talk to people about the truth, you tell somebody, Christmas is pagan. It was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America. God does not love everybody. He only loved Jacob and hated Esau. He only loves his family, and he doesn't love anybody else, and he knew his family from the foundation of the world. 
they're going to want to crucify you. When you're crucified, you die. But that's daily. People want to crucify you daily. Let me let me remind you, death, Thanatos, does not mean death. Does not mean annihilation. Doesn't mean that. To annihilate somebody. When you die in this body, your spirit, don't forget, spirit is just the word pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. We get pneumonia, P-N-E-U-M-O-N-I-A. Pneuma means breath. When we get pneumonia, we have breathing problems. All the word spirit is, is pneuma, breath. Good grief, preachers. Tell people the truth. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is truth. John 14, 15, 16, John 15, 26, John 16, 13, 1 John 5 and 6. The Spirit, the breath of God that's in our spirits, is truth. Getting the Holy Spirit is not getting something that makes you jump up and down. Woo, praise God, I got the Holy Ghost. Ghost and Spirit are the same word, pneuma. It's... If people would define words, they'd find out half of what they're saying is not true. Now, let's get back to this. I'm looking at Matthew. Or in, uh, I'm looking at Romans 6 and 5. Romans 6 and 5. 6 and 5. All right, 6 and 5. We have been planted together in the likeness of his death, and we shall also, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. See the word likeness of his, that's in italics, that's never in the text. It just says, in the likeness of, it doesn't say his resurrection. We shall be also in the likeness of his. That's not even in the text. In the likeness of his. We shall be in likeness. It says in the original text, taste. An S on the end of a word in the Greek is like our S. It's got a shorter hook on the bottom. That's taste. That's the feminine gender. Feminine means female. Jesus is not a female. This is one of the errors of the King James Bible. The reason I use the King James because it comes from the Textus Receptus. That's the interlinear Bible. We have that. You want to get the exact words? They have substituted 
him a lot of times for the feminine gender. You can't do that, but the translators did. Are you smarter than them, Jim? I am smart enough to look at the interlinear. The Greek is on the top line. It doesn't matter what it says in the translation of the English. I don't care what the what the word is. Somebody asked me, does it say that in the English of the of the interlinear Bible? I don't care what the English is. I look at the Greek. I go into my books and find out what the Greek word is. I go into a parsing guide, an analytical lexicon, and I get the word, the exact word. A lot of times the translators in the interlinear didn't put the right word down because they really couldn't. How are you going to put taste? There's 24 ways to spell the in the original text. Here they are right here. Right here. Singular, plural. This is the. Masculine and feminine, neuter gender under the singular. Masculine and feminine, neuter gender under the plural. The case is nominative, genitive, dative, accusative case. Nominative is in the, it's either the subject of a sentence or it is the predicate nominative. You would think that people would, I thought people remembered at least that much in English. Let me just say this. A predicate nominative, when you're looking at a predicate nominative, you also have predicate adjectives. It just depends on Jim is the pastor. In the predicate, the predicate is everything after the subject. The subject of the sentence is a noun or a proper noun, which is the name of a man or a city or, or some river or whatever, proper noun. That's a proper noun. Is is a verb. That's a being verb. You always have a being verb when you have a predicate nominative. The predicate nominative of a sentence is the same thing in the predicate as the subject. Jim and pastor are the same thing. So that would be nominative masculine. This ada, every time you see ada, especially on the end of a word like taste, or eta sigma, that's feminine gender. And all you have to do is look it up. You can look up, I've got the copies of this down here. You can have a copy. So if it's genitive case, shows possession. And this is how they would be spelled. Here's feminine. Hey, case, tay, tame. Feminine gender. Every time the word anastasis is used, it's one of these, depending on where it is in the sentence. Genitive is baptism of repentance. If you look up repentance, and first of all, you look it up in an interlinear, 
in the interlinear and you get the exact spelling and look it up in here. It'll tell you if it's genitive case, that means it shows possession. Shows possession. If you look up repentance, first of all, you've got to look it up in an interlinear, exactly how it's spelled, and then write it down and look it up in an analytical lexicon. It'll tell you if it is genitive case. But if it's the, it'll be one of these ways to spell it. If it's masculine gender about God, like John 3.16, for instance. John 3.16 doesn't say, for God so loved the world. It says, for the God. So, I'm not going to go into so loved, that's another subject. For the God, anytime you have a proper noun, it always has the in front of it, but it has ho. That's nominative, masculine, singular. The one God. Sometimes just looking these words up and getting a part of speech show you that's the way you prove there's one God. Just give them John 3.16 in the original text. I don't know why I'm the only one that can find these. I don't have an education. I have no degrees. I didn't go to Bible school. I've just studied my brains out for, and I'm smart enough to get a hold of what the truth is. Now, in Romans 6 and 5, 6 and 5, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the case anastasis. In the resurrection of Christ daily. How often do we die? Daily. How often do we take our cross? If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. So when you die daily, death, thanatos, people will separate from you. That is a spiritual death. The next time you see them after you tell them Christmas is pagan, it was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America, they'll get so mad at you, they won't talk to you. They'll separate from you. That's a form of death. That is a daily cross. Spiritually. When they separate, they want to kill you for it. They don't like it when you tell them the truth. Now, there's so many times this word resurrection is used. What happens when you die to the flesh? When you death, have death to self? What happens? The longer you live, the more this outer man is going to die off. And if you can get to be old like me, most of the fleshly man is gone. Just a little at a time through fire and trials and persecution, death to self, and people hating you. And you get to where you're old, and you don't care what people say anymore. It's like I've said a hundred times or a thousand times. If you can get five or six people to hate you for what you're saying, one more or less don't matter. I've got hundreds of people hating every word I'm talking about because they don't like predestination. They don't like it when I say they have to die daily. They don't like it when I say God does not love everybody. 
They don't like it. They said, Jim Brown, I don't know who you think you are. I don't think I'm anybody. So when you get to this, here's the kind of the way it works. Let me put it on the board like this. Let me put it up here like this. I never get I never get tired of talking about the inner and the outer man because that's the work of God on his people that's faith increasing faith is death to self that's death to self increasing on a daily cross daily and resurrection increases here's kind of the way it looks let me erase this and put it up on the board this way When you are young, you've just come to the knowledge of Christ. You've got Christ's birth in you. Well, that man does not sin. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. The seed of God remains in him, but he cannot sin. But this outer man has got self. Self. And God is going to start working on you. Self. So God's going to start putting you in this fire. These concentric circles are the fire of God. Persecution. Men getting mad at you. You playing a game with the world. Wanting what you want. Having the flesh wanting what it wants. And the longer you live, God's going to put you through fire and scourge. And he's going to burn out this self-man over a long period of time. Self dies hard. Self doesn't want to go away. And as it comes, the spiritual Sabbath begins to rise in you. Spiritual Sabbath. Sabbath does not mean seventh. It means rest. And you begin to rest in all these things that God's doing because You begin to die daily all the time. You begin to resurrect daily in Christ. Die daily. And that begins. What happened to the Sabbath over here in the Old Testament? All the rituals were blotted out. Rituals were blotted out. Now you're in a daily projection of the Sabbath in your life. As you get older, the Sabbath, let me put it like this. Sabbath begins to take over your life. Let me spell Sabbath out in letters here. It's kind of like this. Let me. This is kind of the way it is. You're birthed here. Sabbath. Little s. A. B B A T H The older you get, Sabbath begins to grow in you. Rest begins to grow in you. And you get to a place where Sabbath kind of takes over your life. You have a thin veneer of sin around your life. But God has blotted out most of that with fire, trials, persecution. 
and you're getting to where you don't really care, you're not really interested in what people have to say to you anymore. I was really sad when my family started pulling away from me. People say, why didn't you go see them when your mother and father was sick? I didn't want to be around my family because they didn't believe these things. They don't believe in predestination and Christmas is pagan and Easter's pagan and God does not love everybody. And they don't want me to talk about it when I'm around them. I went through Texas and stopped in Fort Worth and called my cousin, Jerry. And I said, Jerry, I just want to call and see how you do it. He said, we have a cousin's reunion, and you're welcome to come, but you've got to leave your preaching in Nashville. I'm sorry, boy, but I don't have time to come around somebody who wants me to leave my Bible in Nashville. Don't leave it anywhere. And I, don't leave, I tear it in my heart, and I talk about it all the time. My younger brother hates what I'm believing. says, I'm crazy. Told a big-name gospel singer, Jimmy's crazy. And this big-name gospel singer watches me on TV and said, no, he's not crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm defining the words for you. I don't know anybody else that does that. Now, have you noticed the Sabbath has to grow in your life? I should put it like this. I don't even know how to put it on a board. How about S... A, B, B, A, T, H, Sabbath. And it becomes a part of your life. You begin to rest. You do what God said in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Rest in everything. And we know that all things work together for good. All of this fire and trial that has brought the Sabbath in your life, that's good. All things work together for good. And it's talking about groaning. Groaning, stenazo, S-T-E-N-A-Z-O. That's right, before you get to Romans 8 and 29, stenazo, groan, comes to the word stenos. And that's the word straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And few there be that find it. Straight is the noun, groan is the verb form of the noun. And your groaning as the Sabbath enters your life. When you get old, I'm old. I don't fight no more. I don't argue with anybody. I may just tell you you're out of your mind. You don't know nothing about the Bible as I read your as I read your email or as I read your comments on email. I don't have time to fight you. If you'll call me, I'll hang up on you. If you don't want to listen to the truth. I don't have time. I have come to the realization of the verse that I quote to you all the time, Proverbs 20 and 12. Proverbs 20 and 12. The hearing ear. Hearing ear. And the seeing eye. The Lord hath made even both of them. 
That word here is the word shama. It's also the word obey. So when you when you begin to hear God, you start obeying Him. What gives you rest is the daily cross. After people kill you so many times and separate from you, I expect it now, but there's one thing, there's one person I'm afraid of more than all the people in the world, and that's the living God. I have more fear of Him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I keep saying this. Let me say it again. You cannot be humble to man and God at the same time. It's not possible. Humble is the word tepanua. T-A-P-E-I-N-O-O. It means to level self. Well, when you've got that brand new inner man, you're not involved in the Sabbath. You're stressing out. You're worrying. You are taking thought. Take no thought for your life. No thought. Take no thought is the word merimnao, M-E-R-I-M, M-E-R-I-M-N-A-O. It means to take thought, means to be distracted from the things of God by the things of this world. It has to do with loving money. Don't be distracted by the things of this world from God. The way a man is pulled away, the way he doesn't bear any fruit, and what really chokes him out over there, in over what keeps you from bearing the fruit that God wants you to bear in Luke 8 and in Matthew 12. Luke 8. The Bible's talking about this man that about these four different seeds some fell by the wayside uh, verse 6 well let me go from 4 when much people were gathered together and there and were come to him out of every city he spake a parable a sower went out to sow his seed And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it up. Wayside had an exact meaning. They had their fields. Let's say a man had all these fields here. He's got a house here. House. And these fields are divided up with pathways so they could go out and work their crop and these were called narrow ways those were the narrow ways where they were planting the crop and when they would sow if they sowed some over here in the walkway there would be stones in the walkway where they could walk and the water would would wash away, and st- it would be stony ground, and they it couldn't even, nothing could grow there. Any of these ways, the Broadway was the highway out, or the the road in front of their house. So 
when it would fall in this stony ground, it wouldn't grow. Then he says, And some fell among upon rock, and as soon as it sprung up, it withered away because it lacked, says moisture. But this is a picture, a spiritual picture. So the moisture would be the water of life of the Holy Spirit. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked it. Apenigo, A-P-O-P-N-I-G-O. Apenigo means to strangle or to wheeze. Being short on breath. I know all about that. I've had bronchial asthma. I know about that. So he says, some fell among thorns. So it it was choked out. And others fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried and said, He that hath the ears to hear, let him hear. Here there is an imperative command. Akuo. When he says, let him hear, that is an imperative mood. That's not an invitation. Everybody that belongs to God, you will hear. And the word obey is hoop. Not S-O. Hoop akuo means to obey or hear under. Or be subordinate to. I don't know why I keep putting this. Hupakuo. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that seeing they might not see, these are vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Boy, these charismatics say, send your money and plant your seed with us. And they call money seed. Seed is the logos, the word of God. If you're going to send them seed, what you need to do, seed is the word spiros, S-P-E-R-O-S. Or sporos. It comes from the word sperma, which is masculine gender. Sperma is one seed. Sporos is getting a handful and sporing out there. And dollar bills are not seed. Gosh. And then he goes into an explanation. Let me give you over here in Matthew, the 12th chapter. Matthew 12. All right. No, I'm thinking of the wrong chapter. Excuse me. Yeah, 13. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 13. What am I thinking of? Verse 18, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, 
and understandeth it not. They don't understand. Then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received the seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon, or eventually, with joy he receiveth it. Yet he hath not yet hath he not root in himself, and Jesus is the root out of dry ground. He doesn't have any Jesus. But he dureth. He endures for a while, and when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word of God, he is offended. That's the people that get mad when you tell them the word of God and they thanatos, they separate from you. When it says when tribulation, that's the narrow way. That's when, that's when, as you go through all this fire and trial and tribulation, when that arises and persecution, dioko, dioko, That means to flee and they run away from persecution and they run away from tribulation and they never grow into the Sabbath because they are scandalizo, S-K-A-N-D-A-L-I-Z-O and scandalon, S-K-A-N. We get our word scandal from this. Scandalon was a little trap stick and they would put a little noose on the end of it. They are trapped. That's where the little rabbit would come along. And the noose would pop up and might break his leg and they would catch the rabbit. They are offended and they're by the scandal of God. And the scandal is tribulation and persecution. And they can't handle that. Therefore, they can't grow into the spiritual Sabbath. How much time to have, Mike? 30. Let me see if I can get on with some more of this. All right. Now, I want us to go back over. So we're talking about working into the rest of God, and it takes work. Now, most people don't like the idea that I talk about work. There's, there's some words that go along with the Sabbath. Let me show you how to connect this. When you get over here into Hebrews, I can't teach this all of a sudden. Hebrews, the third and the fourth chapter, it's talking about a spiritual Sabbath. Let me repeat again what I've said about what happened to the literal Sabbath. The Sabbath is here, but it's not on Saturday. It's every day of the week. The Sabbath is something that comes about after you die long enough. You have people separate from you. I'm pretty quiet outside the pulpit. Anybody that's around me will tell you that. I don't make much noise. I get intent when it comes. The only thing I get intent about is when somebody says something in error about the Word of God. I will fight for the word of God, but I won't fight people. 
I will say, hey, this is the truth, whether you believe it or not. After the second admonition, I'll reject them and walk away because they subvert their own house and they're heretics. I had a guy call me a heretic one day and he didn't even know what it meant because I believe predestination. Heretic is the word H-A-I-R-T-I-K-O-S. That's what people are when they go by their opinion. It comes from H-A-I-R-E-S-I-S. That's our word heresy. Heresy and heretikos after the second admonition reject a man because he's a heretic when he won't change. Heretikos means to choose for oneself. What it means is free will. But there's no such thing as free will. It's self-will. I want what I want, and I want my opinion. And heresy, every time you find the word sect in the New Testament, the sect of the Pharisees, the sect of the Sadducees, it's the word heresies. They have, it has the same meaning in definition as D-E-N-O-M I-N-A-T-I-O-N Denomination Denomination comes from two words D and nomos It means to set off that's what D means to set off a law Denomination when you go around Baptist they've got a denominational guideline it's a statement of faith statement of faith and all the Baptists out there they believe in accept Christ which is not true they believe in a sinner's prayer for salvation and that's not true we know that God here is not sinners if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will him he hears it they believe in that they believe in Accept Christ, and you can't accept Christ. Well, I already put that down. They believe in let Jesus come into your heart. Let Jesus come in. You can't let God come in when you're dead. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. You cannot accept Christ. The word receive is the word dekomai. Dekomai comes from the word dek. It's the word ten. Decade is 10 years. Decomai means to reach out the 10 fingers and accept an offer that's been given. You can't accept Christ when you're dead in sin. The Baptists believe, let Jesus come into your heart, you're dead. None seeks after God. The Baptists believe in Christmas. Christmas is Christ's Mass. That's Roman Catholicism. It was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America. The Baptists believe in last, they believe in pre-trib rapture. They don't believe in last trump. Pre-trib rapture. That's most of the Baptists believe in pre-trib. That means that before Jesus, they, they believe in dispensationalism. I explained dispensation, O-I-K-O-N-O-M-I-A. Oikonomia, you look up the word economy, 
in a Webster's Dictionary, it will say oikonomia. It comes from the ancient Greek word oikonomia. Economy, or it's the it's the house law. And we're God's house, so it's the law that we give from our mouths. That's the economy of a household. Has the same meaning as stewardship. Stewardship stewardship and dispensation are the exact same word. My father and all of his friends taught dispensationalism. They said all time was divided up into these periods of time, dispensation. That's not true. So they believe in a pre-trib rapture. And they say before the tribulations, Christ is going to come back and sound a trumpet. But the Bible says his coming will be a silent coming. It doesn't say it'll be a silent coming. It'll be a war cry, and that happens at the end of time. That happens at the last trump. We're going to be changed at the last trump, and there's seven trumpets that sound in Revelation 8, 9, and 10. And when the seventh one sounds, the mystery of God, which is the church, is finished. That word finished means complete. And the last one comes in, and Christ has got one foot on the land, and the other on the sin says time is no more at the last trump. And that destroys pre-trib rapture. Anytime they even believe in millennium, and there's no such thing as a millennium. Millennium means thousand, mill and atom. They believe in a millennium, and it's not the word, it's the word kilia. It means two thousand or more. Well, if you take one of these things and you cross their boundary line, and you say, we're going to be changed at the last trump, and you cannot accept Christ. They will ostracize you and ask you to leave their church. That's what a denomination will do to you. Denomination has the same basic meaning as heresies or heresy. The Baptist church today is a heresy. It's a denomos. And they don't believe the truth anymore. The Baptists believed the truth back in 1850. The Southern Baptist Convention was founded on it. It was founded on predestination that Christmas was pagan. Now let me show you something that's interesting. Unbelief was why they couldn't enter into their rest. They couldn't enter into the Sabbath because of unbelief. Let's go back over here to Hebrews. Hebrews is talking about when Israel provoked God in the wilderness. You can use one verse to come up and straighten out another verse. You can use the Greek words. Now, I'm going to put two things together and show how this mathematically fits together. Do I have time, Mike? 21. 21. Maybe I can put this together. Lordy me, I don't know if I've got time to do this. All right. Let me just go ahead and say this.
All right. Let me put this on the board. I'm going to put it on the board before I say it so you can see it when I say it. Provoke. equals unbelief. Unbelief equals doubt or stagger. Now this chapter 3 says Israel provoked God in the wilderness. And the Bible says here in Hebrews, the third chapter, let me read a couple of verses here, verse 8 of chapter 3. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation. So to harden the heart was to, that's what Israel did when they provoked God in the wilderness Their hearts were hardened because there's several times they provoked God in the wilderness, but the first time they provoked God was in Numbers 13 and 14. Now here's the thing that they did. This amazes me. They're saying God... God has them to go in camp at a place called Kadesh Barnea. Let me get over here. All right. I got a map. Here it is. They leave Egypt. This is their trail that they make. They go down into this Sinai Desert. This is Egypt. This is Israel up here. There's Ashkelon, Gaza, and Ashdod. That's on the southwestern border of Israel. Israel is all up in here. And those are towns in the land of the Philistines. So they come up here, encamp at Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea. God tells them to go into the land and spy the land for 40 days. 40 days. So they go in and spy out the land for 40 days. And they come back and Moses says, tell me what you saw. They said, we saw these giants. And they're too big for us to attack. Now here's the thing. God had conquered about two months before the armies of Pharaoh as they crossed the Dead Sea. Pharaoh's army, by any standard, was the most powerful army on the earth. They could attack anybody and destroy them at that time. But God conquered them, put them down in the Red Sea. When they leave, when they leave, uh, when they leave Mount Sinai down here in the bottom of the Sinai Desert, the first place they go and stop is Kadesh. God tells them to go into the land. 
Moses, through Moses, tells them, go in the land and spy the land. They come back and they say, these people are too big for us. They're too tall. They're too strong. We can't whip them. Well, God didn't even intend for them to whip them. He's going to whip them just like he did Pharaoh over here. So because they did that, God says, I'm going to take a day for a year for a day. I'm going to put you in the land for 40 you were over there 40 days. I'm going to make you wander 40 years in the land till I kill off everybody from 20 years old and upward that murmured against me. Why 20? That was military age in Israel. You had to be 20 to serve in the military. So he said, I'm going to kill off everybody that murmured against me. And when you get to Deuteronomy, that's right before they cross the river and possess the land. Deuteronomy. And so that's before they cross. So that's the last book of Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So from Exodus up through Numbers, God kills off all the 20-year-olds and upwards, as of Kadesh Barnea. Now, because God called that provoking him, they provoked him, and he called it unbelief, because they didn't believe God could conquer the enemies where he led them into. It's basically the same thing when you are living life and you've got an inner man, an outer man, and you don't think that when the fire and the trials and the tribulation that God can conquer these enemies that you think you have to fight. So you, as a young believer, you get into the world and you start fighting people until God takes you through enough fire till he leaves you with nothing but a thin veneer of self and he and he causes self to die off as he builds the Sabbath in you over the years. And that's what the Sabbath is rest. See, if they had been experienced enough, they'd have gone in there if they'd had enough persecution and trials, but they hadn't had enough. And they would have gone in there and they would have rested in what God wanted to do to those men of Anak. So he tells you in this chapter what it is. He says here in verse, verse 7, or in verse 8, Harden not your hearts as in the provocation when they provoke in the wilderness in the day of temptation in the wilderness when they said, I couldn't conquer their enemies. They wasn't saying they couldn't. They simply looked at it as though they were going to have to fight their enemies. God doesn't want you fighting for yourself and your battles. He says, I will fight for you. Anytime the Bible says God is our re-reward, that's a word in the Hebrew that means to, to cover the rear and cover the front. He is taking, guarding in the rear of us and the front. The front is a spearhead. It is a vanguard. That's what you call a vanguard. God's going to take up the front and take up the rear. 
But it seems like when we're young and our faith hasn't grown, we like to say, well, I've I got to fight these people and get my rights. i got my rights. You don't have any rights. Besides that, when God raises up evil men, that's his program for your life. So he can teach you to trust him. But the more you trust God, the less you want to get around the world that wants to fight. The way you stay out of a fight, you stay away from people that fight. Right? <clears throat> when your father's tempted me and proved me and saw my works 40 years. And then he's talking about all through here. What happens when you enter the Sabbath? There are words that mean that you do on the Sabbath. There's words that you don't do. Don't do on Sabbath. That's a play on words. What you don't do is nothing. You don't do anything on the Sabbath. The Sabbath day keepers don't know what Sabbath means and they don't know what they're not supposed to do on the Sabbath. Let me say it one more time. Look at Exodus. Exodus, the 16th chapter. I've got to give you this. There's a couple of words I need to give to you. Exodus, the 16th chapter. God has given to Israel the Sabbath day. All right, Exodus, the 16th chapter. Here's what you do on the Sabbath. Nothing. You don't go to a church. On the Sabbath, let me use this picture over here. On the Sabbath, the people stayed in their tents. They didn't go over here and watch the priest offer sacrifices. The priests were desecrating the Sabbath and they were guiltless because it's over there working doing the commandments of God in the tabernacle. They were all staying in their houses doing nothing. That's what the Bible says. They couldn't cook, couldn't start a fire of any kind. You couldn't drive your car with cylinders in it that were firing. Couldn't ride a donkey. You couldn't go anywhere. It says here in verse 29, See for that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days. You didn't go out and gather the manna on Saturday morning. Abide ye every man in his place. Talkoth. T-A-C-H-A-T-H. The word means room. Stay in your house. Don't go nowhere. It actually also means to humble self and do what God says. It means stay in your flat. It comes from the word to walk. T-O-W-A-C-H. It means to humble self. And do what God says. Humble self. So you didn't travel over to the to the tabernacle 
to listen to some preach offer a sacrifice. They're offering sacrifices all day long. Abide ye every man in his house, in his room. Let no man go out of his place. That is a different word than the previous word place. It's the word kokom. Makom. M-A-Q-O-W-M. M-A-Q-O-W. Let every man stay in his place. And that word means spot, your locality. Stay where you are. Because on the day before you had to you had to prepare the Uberic, E U B U I C K. Uberic. That was an official title for on Friday before sundown. You had to light a candle. It was actually a lamp. It wasn't candle. They didn't invent candles till the 1500s. So it says candle in the Bible, but it means lamp. Because you couldn't light any fires on the Sabbath, not after sundown Friday evening. You had to light a candle. You had to cook your meals for the Sabbath because you couldn't cook on the Sabbath. Cook meals. And number three, pay tithes. You didn't go to church and pay your tithe to the priest. You didn't go to you didn't do nothing. Now let me show you go back over here to Hebrews and he calls this provocation of God where they said we can't they're not resting. They're saying, we got to fight our fights. i got to fight this guy next door. i got to fight my family. They don't like what I'm saying, so I need to argue with them. No, you don't. If they have a hearing ear, they'll hear in God's time. After the second admonition, reject them. They're heretics. It means to choose for oneself. They're involved in their own will, their self-will. Now, and he says... In verse 10, Wherefore I was grieved at that generation, because they provoked me, and said they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, my hodos, my narrow way. See, the narrow way is where you trust God while the world is pressuring you all around. So I swear in, it doesn't say my wrath, it says the wrath, feminine. It's the wrath of the people. So I swore in Tay or Gay. That's not God's wrath. This is where they changed a definite article, the feminine gender, to a masculine masculine possessive pronoun, my. It's wrong. I know why they did it, because they didn't like God placing the or gay upon men. Orge is feminine gender. The is feminine. Orge is the wrath of a man whose covetousness and he wants to get revenge on people. That is a Babylonian attitude which is feminine. Babylon was the mother of harlots. I say that a lot. I hope you get a hold of that. 
This is not God's wrath. That's man's wrath. Man's rage. So I swore in the wrath. It doesn't say my. I'm running out of time. That they should not enter into my rest. My katapasis. That is the rest of the Sabbath. There is a Sabbath. And that's what you do on the Sabbath. You rest. Kata means down. Pauses is our word pause. All through the New Testament, the word pauses means to cease. Means to cease. You cease working, you go home and lay down. And you don't worry about what's going on in the world. You start entering into the spiritual Sabbath because the literal Sabbath was blotted out, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, which is against us. It was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. When they did away with the contract, they took the contracting parties, the two witnesses, drove a nail through the original document. It invalidated the rituals, the letter of the law. He keeps talking about the hardening of the heart. I'll go through this next week. And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, his katapasis, the rest of the Sabbath. And he says, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. A-P-I-S-T-I-S. Pistis is the word faith. It means no faith in God that he could conquer those Anakims, those giants. Unbelief, I won't be able to go through this today, but unbelief equals unbelief equals staggering At God's promise, it equals doubt. Staggering in Romans, the fourth chapter, that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, and that was no Sabbath. Stagger is the word diacrino. Doubt in Mark 11, Mark 11, 23, if you'll not doubt in your heart, say to this mountain, be thou removed. That's the word diacrino. Everywhere you find diacrino, you can, you can just say stagger, and that's unbelief. Abraham did not stagger at the promise of God through unbelief, through apistus. So when you come across stagger in Romans 4, 17, 18, 19, that's where God promised Abraham a son, and Abraham was too old to have a son, and Sarah didn't ovulate anymore, and Abraham staggered not at the promise of God. He said, okay, I'll have a son, even though I don't have any sperm anymore. He said, okay, God. So staggering 
has to do with unbelief. Unbelief is provoking God when you're young in the faith and you haven't got gone through enough trials and persecution yet to burn out self. Self is the big problem with everybody. Do I have any time, Mike? How long? One minute. One minute. I want to come back and go. Th- you say, Jim, you spend an awful lot of time on two chapters. You can't preach these chapters real fast and easy. I keep talking about, I've really got to go back through chapter four because it's talking about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is equivalent to katapasis, rest. And the word Sabbath means rest. There's a word in the Old Testament, Nuwak. Means rest. It is equivalent. It comes from the word Noah. Nuwak is the rest of the Sabbath in the Old Testament. Is resting in the things of God. When you rest in God's things, you begin to realize God's ordained everything. Not only is predestination true, but sovereignty is true. God's over everything. Well, I'm out of time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Help me to be able to explain these things to people. Sometimes I don't even know what to say. I can see it. And I have to get so elementary explaining simple things. They may be simple to me, but I... I realize if people hasn't heard him, Lord, help me somehow to impart these truths to to your people here. Let them grow in faith. God, we're everybody that's associated with the ministry is discouraged over this coronavirus and not having to separate from other believers and not able to come out and meet together. Help us, Lord. Give us strength in how to grow. Give me strength. I need your help, God. I'm getting very tired. I pray that the people will pray for me. That you'll give me strength to continue. I'll keep doing this as long as I can sit up. I'll keep telling people the truth. I love your word. I love you, Father. I love Jesus. I want to please him. Fight our battles. That's what this whole lesson was about. You do in the fight, and we don't. We'll give you praise for everything in Christ's name. Amen. I didn't get to everything I wanted to, but it's amazing how all this comes together to me.